0: Welcome to Homeschooling Co-op Style, a weekly podcast hosted by Pat Wesolowski. Pat began homeschooling her nine children more than 25 years ago. It didn't take her long to discover that co-ops were a perfect fit for her educational goals. Co-ops allowed her family to study together with other families, creating a safe and friendly environment that was conducive to honing public speaking skills, sharing responsibilities with other parents, lessen the stress and the workload. After years of organizing and orchestrating a variety of co-ops, Pat is here to encourage, teach, and promote homeschooling co op style. Hi,
1: welcome to Homeschooling Co op Style. I'm excited about today's show because I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Mary Hood. I was introduced to Dr. Hood many years ago when I attended a seminar in South Florida that was talking about unit studies and homeschooling in a more relaxed fashion. And until that seminar, I hadn't heard the terminology relaxed homeschooler. But that is something that Dr. Hood is qualified to talk about, has encouraged many of us to enjoy our homeschooling venture in a more relaxed way. And I wanted to have her on the show today so that she can encourage you as well. One of the things I've noticed, I'm a member of many homeschooling groups on social media, and I see post after post after post from parents who are not enjoying their homeschooling experience, and they're stressed out, and they're afraid they're doing something wrong, they're going to fail, they're ruining their children, or it's ruining their family. And so I wanted to have Dr. Hood on the show today to encourage these moms and be a resource to them as well. So welcome to the show, Mary.
0: Well, Thank you for asking me.
1: All right, well I just I have many questions. So let's start by I'm sure I'm going to have people listening who aren't familiar with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you have five children who are all finished with high school, mostly finished with college, but you have been involved in the homeschooling movement for a long time in many ways as author, speaker, owner of a resource center. So tell us about yourself.
0: Well, we started homeschooling back in about 1983, I think it was. Um when my oldest son was set to go into first grade and I Back then, you know, there weren't that many homeschoolers. In fact, there were very few. We used to have all the homeschoolers in Alabama where we lived over for supper. So that tells you something about the movement. Back then, I know you were around then too, or at least a few years later. So anyway, um, so we've been doing this a very long time. Uh, We began homeschooling due to certain characteristics of my oldest son, who was very, very, very far ahead academically, but also like many six-year-old boys, just not ready. For a sit-down school-like environment. So we began homeschooling. For those reasons, of course, later on they were, uh, augmented and, and changed into many 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 other reasons and uh, we did go ahead and uh, homeschooled all five of them all the way through with two minor detours uh, in seventh grade my oldest son wanted to go to public school and I just viewed it as a unit study in public school because I knew exactly how long he'd <laughs> last so <laughs> I, I, I have a whole you know uh, hours and hours of material I could tell you about my brief period of wow. time in public school but I, I don't want to get into that right now uh, the second uh, detour was when my my middle son was wanting to become a professional baseball player, and back in those days, we didn't have uh, access to high-level homeschool baseball. Luckily, now we right. do. But at any rate, so I put him in a Christian private school at near the end of eighth grade, uh, thinking that he could get his feet wet and then be there for high school. Um, and I laughingly told the principal uh, of the school that he better make him headmaster or head janitor or head something or he wouldn't say. And in fact, that's what happened. As soon as he realized he wasn't in control of anything, he came right back home. So, um, so neither one of them stayed in school very long. My oldest daughter wanted to go to school in high school, but for a number of reasons based on her personal, uh, needs and, you know, issues and everything, I did not want her to go to high school. So I let her go to college. <laughs> and oh. so she went to college at 16 and, um, graduated So uh, basically, other than those little odd detours here or there, we homeschool all the way through. And uh, as you know, I'm known for relaxed homeschooling. That's not the same thing as unschooling. I want to make that very clear because there have been several uh, mishaps lately in, in articles where I've actually been quoted as saying that it is the same and it's not. To me, unschooling is a a parental philosophy that says, okay, we're going to do this in a very natural way. We're not going to use much in the way of textbooks or curriculum and so forth. It, uh, of course, originated in some of the ideas of people like John Holt, who wrote a lot of really excellent books, although he was not a Christian until the end of his life um but he uh I, I, he influenced me somewhat, and when I wrote the relaxed home school, I probably sounded a little like an unschooler because quite frankly, my oldest two children were leaning that way themselves, but my middle son taught me that you have to do what's right to them, and he was no more an unschooler than, you know, anybody I would know. If if, if I didn't give him a schedule, he had it written on the board. He had his books uh, categorized by the Dewey Decimal System, and I mean the real Dewey Decimal System, when he was six years old and had cards put in them and so forth and made people check them out of his room. He liked curriculum and so forth. So so bottom line, as I grew as a, as a parent and began to learn from my kids and with my kids, I realized that the real key is to be a family and to do what works for your individual family and to set goals and not pay attention to what the school would be doing and all that sort of thing. So to me, the, the relaxed homeschool is more of a mindset than a philosophy because depending on how your kids uh, respond, you may go in one direction or another. But the bottom line, and I have this written down on the, uh, on the front page of our website, uh, it says uh, you're, you're a family, not a school. You're a dad, not a principal you're a mom, not a teacher, and you have individual relationships with your children, not a classroom, and that that then should free you up from getting, from losing all the assumptions you've been carrying around from public school days and replace them with your own goals and of course as the kids get older with their goals and really treat your kids as individuals to me that's the key to not get hung up on having to choose full curriculum packages which is what all the new people are doing right now of course uh to to not feel like uh like you have to have a real set schedule I mean at certain level of scheduling is good, but you can get uh hung up and too school like in a hurry and so forth. So it's just the idea of being more of a family and less of a school. Uh and that's that's basically relaxed homeschooling. And if people want to read about unschooling, there's plenty of places you can go to read about that. But I do view them as being two different uh topics.
1: Right, and and that makes sense. I appreciate the explanation. I know I remember one time hearing Joyce Herzog talk to parents who were, you know, moms want to do right by their budgets, by their finances, by world's expectations, by their husband by their children, and, and she was talking to moms who had spent a lot of money on curriculum, and the curriculum just wasn't working. And the mom wants to make sure she's being financially responsible. But Joyce Herzog says, you know, if you want to cover that curriculum, put it on the table, get a big sheet, drape it over the curriculum, and then you can say, "There, I've covered that curriculum." But I find that so much of the problem is is tied to moms who are concerned and, and fearful that they're going to raise children who either don't know enough, didn't do well, won't succeed. And and so they keep going back to tying their life to the school system and what other people expect and putting themselves under a huge burden that prevents them from enjoying being a mother and a wife and enjoying their family because they do then become the teacher and the principal and the disciplinarian and all those roles that you said we need to not look at in that way. So how do you encourage the moms today to to do that, especially when you and I started, there were so few curriculums. We either had to go by the textbook or create our own, and many of us created our own, and we enjoyed that. But now, so many parents think they have to buy something that's all in a package and then do everything that's in it, and they're tied
0: to that. So, Well, first of all, I think it's really important to remember that God says that his uh, yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so, chances are for these moms that are feeling burdened, the first thing I'd say is examine whether maybe you've taken on a yoke you weren't supposed to. In other words, maybe you're trying to be too much like a school, maybe you're trying to be, you know, And basically what you need to do to be a good homeschooling mom, especially in the early years up through, say, you know, sixth grade or so, is be the best mom you possibly can be, really. That's all that's required. Now, I always say, you know, in our society the role of a mom has been trivialized. It's, you know, to clean diapers and and cook and and drive kids somewhere else for somebody else to teach them the important stuff. So we have to have a revised view of what a mother's role is, and that's going to be things like – you know, going to the library on a regular basis and reading together and being responsive to your kids' interests. So when somebody gets into right. some something particular, you don't just go, oh, that's nice. But, you know, if it's spiders, you go and get a book on spiders and, you know, make spider web art or whatever. Of course, you can overdo that to the point that they're afraid to tell you their interest in something, you know, and they can <laughs> right, jump right. on it with $16,000 worth of curriculum in that area. But, uh, yeah. but all those things, and, and it also means uh, having a can-do attitude yourself. Uh, Stopping saying you're horrible at math, you know, because the, the attitude will rub off if nothing else. So if you're horrible at math, then, you know, you need to get over it. You need to learn it yourself. You need to stay two weeks ahead of your kids. Uh, in areas when it gets time for algebra, uh, you need to either find another resource, you know, to help them with it, or you need better still to learn it yourself. You know, I was horrible at math. That's one reason I bring it up. And um, through really seriously working on it, once I became an adult, I got to the point where I can teach all the way through pre-calculus, even though, quite frankly, I don't even know what calculus is. Um, I, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm sure if I ever had to, I would really struggle with that. But um, but the bottom line is, you know, that that you're a part of the equation. You have to, you know, uh, also remember your own needs. So many moms uh, think in terms of balance, when they think in terms of balance, they think about each individual child. So, you know, little Susie has her dance on Thursday and her Awana's on Wednesday and, you know, Jimmy's going to be in baseball this year and so-and-so's in gymnastics. And then they look at it and go, yeah, everybody's got about the right level there, forgetting that they have to drive them everywhere, you know. Yeah. And it's probably with a two-year-old in the back seat and a baby, you know, in a, in a car seat kicking and screaming the whole time. So, you know, I think moms need to remember that they're part of the equation that involves you know, keeping their emotional center, uh, making sure their own needs are taken care of once in a while, you know. And I know that's not easy. It is not easy with little children. But if you let yourself get a lot of sorts, especially if you're doing it by trying to be too much of a school, especially if you have little ones running around too, you know. Uh, right. Some of these moms are just putting way too much pressure on themselves, you know. And the key is to think through your own goals. And let me just briefly state what the areas I think about goals I think about goals in the area of values and attitudes and habits. And to me, those are the three important categories when they're young. And then skills, which is a very broad uh, group of of, uh, of goals, and then talents and interests that are uh, for an individual, and then knowledge. And to me, the key is turning out somebody with good character, who likes to learn, who has a can-do attitude, And then, and so you're working on the character first, always. And then the second thing is to provide them, especially as they become teenagers, with the skills that they need. And if they have all that, if they have the skills to ferret out information, to communicate well, uh, spoken and written, and, and to be able to have at least the basics of mathematical ability as they, as they grow towards adulthood and so forth. If they have all that, if you happen to forget to teach about reconstruction, you know, they can learn it when when it comes up in their Absolutely. lives, you know. So, Absolutely. I was just going to say that the idea that you have to cover everything is what drives people nuts, and you don't. Right. Believe me. Right. You, you don't, and you can't, and you won't, you know. So just forget it. It's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> well, with what you're sharing made me think of two situations with my children. When my oldest daughter uh, got to Algebra two, she had heard me teach workshops, and she opened the book. She'd finished Algebra one, and she said, Mom. I want to be a wife, a missionary, and a mother. Why do I need algebra two? And really, the only answer I could give her was, well, it might be necessary to jump through a hoop you have to jump through, but there really wasn't a hoop she had to jump through that required algebra two. And I said, do you want to switch to consumer math? And she readily said yes. And and that's what we did. And then I had a son who, I you know, we, he was hardworking, he was industrious, he was entrepreneurial as a young child. But he did not like books and he didn't like to study and he, he really, for a long time, the only curriculum I definitely required was math. And then I even got pretty relaxed with that because I, I, realized number one it's only going to be meaningful to them if they need certain math for certain equations in their lives and he got interested in enjoying civil air patrol and all of a sudden that boy wanted to study because he wanted to pass aerodynamics and the search and rescue and he was in the books and he ended up being the head of the civil air patrol when he was 14 he was asked to be on the governor's task force to assess for hurricane damage in florida he saw the guard he wanted to go in the army and he did and he called me one day and he said mom I'm going to take an EMT course that normally takes 18 months, but we're doing it in four. And I said, well, you might have a little bit of a problem with that because you really didn't do a lot of math and science in the books. And I I hear that you need to do, you know, have a good background in that. And he goes, it's okay. A lot of them don't pass the first time. If I don't pass the first time, I'll take it again. But he passed it the first time. Well, by that age, he understood the importance of studying, of of realizing why he had to do what he had to do to get where he wanted to be. His motivation was there. He did have good, strong character and a strong work ethic. And so he did that, and he passed it the first time. And You know, when we tell parents these things, I think it helps them relax a little more because they put so much burden on themselves that really a child could get to a senior year Having been a, a zombie all the other years, and then if they care and they're motivated and they realize they have something to reach for, they're going to do it. They're going to they're going to reach those goals and they're going to get to where they need to go. And we can hire the tutors when we when they have to go through subjects we don't quite understand. My my daughter took physics after the second week. I said, okay, I'm only helpful to you if you give me an answer sheet so I can make sure you're getting the right <laughs> answer because I don't understand this. I I mean, God bless the people who enjoy that and have figured it out, but. It's not part of my life,
0: so <laughs> it's important that moms are honest, like you were in that instance, and that you know, it's perfectly okay to say. I mean, I I never did biology on a kitchen table with any of my kids. You know, it's just not me. Mm-hmm. yeah But it's, it's equally important not again to start saying, well, I hate biology. I'm terrible at biology. Yes. I don't know. You know, I I, can't, I couldn't do physics. And if you choose not to do physics and you're, you know, and you're honest with your daughter about it, that's great, you know. But that can-do attitude is so important, and I see way too many moms, you know, talking about what they're horrible at and what they don't like and stuff. And I always say, if you really, really hate a subject, then do not try to teach it to your children because that's all you're going to be teaching them is that you hate it. You know, it's an awful subject. And I've seen lots of people destroy kids' uh, love of history by saying they hate it when what they really meant was they hate the way it was taught in school, you know, with dates and, you know lots of multiple choice tests and stuff, and I would hate it too if I was teaching it like that. So anyway, so I'm just saying again the attitude is important, and as you're pointing out, the kid's motivation is terribly important. And, you know, if it's not there, it might be better. Yeah, you know, Chris Davis, who uh, used to be the head of Elijah Company and still uh, writes and speaks about homeschooling, uh, has said that the important thing is, is to try to create context. He talks about how when he was uh, teaching his kids science, That in order to create context, they said, Let's find an animal we want to raise. You know, thinking of course as hamsters or something like that. And they came back and they said, Okay, we got it. Appaloosas.
1: Oh, (laughs) goodness.
0: Luckily, they had a lot of acreage, so they wound up raising Appaloosa horses to create context. (laughs) Wow. But uh, I I agree with that. Uh, The more you can have context, the more the kids' own motivation kicks in. And and I realize, for those of you with young children uh, right now, that may seem like a very odd thing to say, because young children's motivation is to run around outside, which is, frankly probably what they should be doing most of the time but you know as they get older as Pat's been pointing out they will find their own niches and their own things. I'll tell you a story it reminds me of uh what you were just talking about is my daughter Ginny was very good and very advanced in many many areas but she hated science she just didn't want to do it and so I really didn't force her to do very much science so she got to college. uh She's the one that as I mentioned she went early she she was there when she was only 16 and right away she started getting a 4.0 average, you know. She uh, she got a job at the uh, student affairs office. You know, it, it it was a very positive experience for her. Mm-hmm. But she had to take one science class for her major, and it, it was, it was going to be biology. And she called, and she was just frantic, you know. She was afraid that uh, she said, Mom, I've never taken high school biology, and these kids did, you know, and I'm going to get an F, and I'm going to ruin my grade point average and all this. And I just told her, look, Jenny, you know – you know, you know how to study. These other kids that took, high, that, that took biology in high school probably don't remember that much of it anyway, you know. You're motivated. You'll do fine. The only thing I told her was that she should probably take it in the summer when she didn't have any other classes and she could just concentrate on that. And sure enough, she got her A in biology, and she, went, she also promptly forgot all of it, you know. but uh, But she knew how to play the game. And so when she had to do that to get where she wanted to go, you know, she – she did fine. And by the way, she uh, uh, graduated with an English degree and then later on got a master's in counseling. She's lived all over the world. So um, she's uh, she's doing real well.
1: That's a great story. You know, I, I didn't enjoy learning until I began homeschooling. When I was in school, my goal was to chew up, spit out, close the book, take the test, forget it. That was it. But when I started mm-hmm. teaching my children, I just developed a real love for especially history. I mean, that's just something that had been so boring to me in my school years that, It it became so alive that I enjoyed learning with my children. And, you know, when you said, if you're not good at something, then you work on it too. And and we can do that. And there's no reason why we can't learn with them as we teach them. We don't have to know it before we teach it to them. We can learn it alongside them and at the same time. And I remember when I did teach my daughter algebra, it wasn't until I was teaching it to her, although I made A's in school in math, I did well, but it wasn't until I was teaching it to her that I understood the concepts behind it. Before, I had just learned the technique. I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. I was just doing it the way they told me to get the answer. But when I began teaching it, I thought, oh, oh, this makes so much sense. But but I hadn't been prepared or cared about understanding the concept at a younger age. So, so you know, one mother wrote in and said, I've tried seven math curriculums with my son, and he hates them all. And Mary, he was seven years old. She was seven, and I thought, you know, I was blessed to have a mentor. I don't know if you ever met Barbara Dickinson in Florida, but she wrote the law for homeschoolers. Her husband did to make homeschooling Mm -hmm. legal, and they homeschooled before it was, and she said, Pat, don't even bring out math curriculum until later. Bring out the dominoes and the dice and the money and, and play games and have fun and just help them understand the concepts by using numbers and solving problems without using curriculum and then when you bring out the curriculum it's going to be a piece of cake and she was right
0: you know i wrote a booklet i have a number of booklets that i wrote years ago and one of them is called taking the frustration out of math and it talks about how children how they learn at different ages and much of the curriculum has sort of ignored that and the Common Core curriculum has completely ignored it because no early childhood professionals were uh, consulted when, when it was yes. being created. And as a result of that, of course, I, I don't want to get into that because I'll, I'll spend an hour on it, but there's so many things wrong with it. But to me, the, yeah. the thing that it, that is making the parents sit up and take notice specifically is the stupid math problems. And the yeah. reason is because the, these children are being asked to do abstract thinking when they're at an age when they simply can't do it. So these formerly good kids, good, you know, students, uh, are suddenly having meltdowns and that's what's making the parents finally notice that there's something wrong with the public school but the same thing can happen in the home school if you're using curriculum that was developed whether it's common core or not to me that's not really the main issue the issue is right. you know is it well done and does it work for your children and so typically if they're going through all these burning through all these curriculum it's because the child is not ready for the way it's being taught in there and what what your friend was saying about dominoes and you know cheerios and popsicles and you know manipulatives and and uh, mm-hmm. to me man, that's what manipulatives are by the way m&ms you know right, i never bought right. all that expensive plastic stuff you know so yeah. but but yeah all the way up to it, I frankly i think a lot of parents would do their their kids a great service if they didn't even make them do any until they were about 10 because most yeah. children really struggle uh, for a lot of reasons so if you're going to do you it you have to be very hands-on
1: yeah and you can be very creative i have a friend who's done needed to earn some money, and he was probably 14 at the time, so he was a little older. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my grocery budget, and you can buy the food this week and plan our meals, and anything you say, you can have. And it was it was such a great challenge because all of a sudden he appreciated ramen and peanut butter to a extent he never <laughs> had before. But it also taught him, I mean, so so much in so many ways. And he did end up end up being frugal enough to save some money. And then she did it the next month with a utility bill. She goes, this is our average utility bill. You figure out how we can save money, you can earn the difference. So not only was he learning to save money, he was helping them as well, but he was also gaining an understanding and appreciation of the bills that parents have to pay. So there's so many things. I remember going to the grocery store and telling my kiddos, go get a five pound bag of potatoes, but weigh them and find the heaviest one because they don't all weigh five pounds. And they were like shocked. You mean it says five pounds and they don't weigh five pounds? And they had a blast. So you know that there's so much we can do every day. I had a son one time in the grocery store. I bought a roast. He said, that's thirteen dollars. And I said, no, it's it's half price. So what will it be? And he goes. I don't know, three? And I said, Mm -hmm. he was young. I said, if I gave you 13 and said split that with your sister in half, how much would you give her? And so he thought for a little while and he goes, well, I'd give her six and I'd get seven because he didn't understand fractions <laughs> or percentages, but he was a lot closer then. So, you know, when you make it real, one time my husband and I were in a drugstore, and, and the Easter baskets were marked 75% off, and I bought a $10 basket, so it should have rung up $250. It rang up $5, and I told the cashier, that only took off 50%, you need to take off 50% more. And he said, that would be 100%. I said, no, no, it wouldn't. It would be 75 and he wouldn't believe me. He went and got a calculator off the shelf. He's trying to figure, he can't figure it out, Mary. He called the manager from the back of the store. The manager came up. He said the same thing. The man said, "We're trying to say, this basket was ten. It should be two fifty. It's ringing up five. Take fifty percent." They called another manager of another store before they solved the problem. And I'm thinking, really, these are adults, and we have homeschooling moms who are so stressed out about what they're teaching their children right now when really they do need to be concentrating on values and attitudes and habits and skills. I love mm-hmm. the order of what you said because, you know, what difference does it make if we have a very successful, brilliant brain surgeon's son if he's miserably self-centered and rude and stingy mm-hmm. and impatient and, and can't talk and, you know, we we don't want that. So our priorities have been misaligned and we've so many Homeschooling moms have been brainwashed to believe that the number one goal is academics, and it's not. It's just not.
0: Well, if you take that list of goals that I have and turn it exactly upside down and look at it and think about it, it's really the the goals of the public schools, exactly in the opposite order. Now, I would like to make the uh, statement, if you will, that there are two types of knowledge and the type of knowledge, which is the beginning of wisdom, you know, in other words, knowing your Bible and, uh, you know, all of that, that belongs up there with the character stuff, you know. When I'm talking about knowledge, I'm talking about all this other stuff we're talking about, you know. Uh, And, again, it's not even math because math would go up under the skills part. So I'm talking about stuff like what's the capital of South Dakota, you know. And, uh, frankly, I have not just been spent the last two weeks wasting dobs of time online, trying to beat a one-minute timer, typing out all the names of the states in <laughs> one minute. And, you know, so as an adult, somehow for some ridiculous uh, reason, that suddenly became important to me. So, you know, I will never again yeah, be tripped up about, you know, where one of the states is and what it touches because i just just doing that for two weeks. So it, it's just whenever it becomes important to you, for whatever reason, a good one or a stupid one, it's going to, the knowledge is going to stick, you know, and right. when it does not I also recently memorized all 196 countries of the world. And, you know, they had mostly changed since I was young. And why did I do that? Because I was beating a 12-minute timer on a stupid Internet game. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Name all the countries of the world. So, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, Henry Ford once was being challenged. Somebody had called him an uh an idiot, I think, and he was taken to court for slander or something, and they were trying to prove he was one, and uh and they were asking him all these stupid, esoteric questions, and finally, he kind of slammed his fist on the table and said, look, if I wanted to know that information, or I needed to, all I have to do is press a buzzer, and I can get somebody to find out for me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he was, again, just pointing out that there's there's things that are more important than, quote, covering everything. And uh certainly I'm not a big believer in testing people to find out what they just it's like what you were talking about in your experience in school, you know, if you're just testing things to find out if they can spit something out and forget it next week, what's the point of that? You know I do believe in standardized testing simply to help the children learn how to take tests, not to find out what they know, but to help them learn to take the test and stay legal where it's necessary. But uh, I am not a big believer in testing to find out what they can cough up that they remembered last week, you know, so I, I've been thinking a lot of, I was just going to say I'm probably starting a school next year so I've really got uh, I'm going in a slightly different direction here I'll still be helping the homeschoolers too but uh, I'm really thinking a lot about education these days and how you adapt what I believe to a classroom setting and so forth so
1: that'll be interesting and I'm I imagine you'll you'll do it well. I know one of the things that I've enjoyed, and, and, you know, the show is homeschooling co-op style, and and I raised my children in co-ops all the, every year, almost every year. There were a few years we didn't have them, but they were rare. And one of the things I loved about the co-op experience, which you would have in a school too, is that, and, and you would allow it, public schools don't often allow it, but we had discussion. We had a lot of discussion. So the children were able to think and brainstorm and get together and solve problems and talk about things that were relevant and things that mattered and opinions and facts and and just, you know, try to sort through that so they learned critical thinking skills so they knew which questions to ask and they they knew which answers to question. And, you know, I was raised just to chew up, spit out, and I was obtuse. I I had no wonder. I didn't ask the question why. None of that ever even entered my mind. You gave me information, I'd take it, but I didn't ask. And it wasn't until I was even in ninth grade Did I find out how a baby was born? And I only found out because somebody thrust that information on me. I never even thought to ask, how's that baby get out of there? I was a little embarrassed when I realized I'm the only one in ninth grade who didn't know how a baby was born, but it never entered my mind to ask that. And so with our children, you know, a three-year-old's favorite word is why, and sometimes they ask it so much we get sick of it. But really, if we're going to be relaxed and enjoy the experience, when they ask why, Let's help them find the answer to that. And I know one of the first curriculums I wrote was Information Please. It's kind of obsolete because of Google. But before the Internet, it was to teach children how to use resources to find the information. Because like you, when we started homeschooling, there were so few families that the ones who did not homeschool, when they would have my children over, they would quiz them and try and find things they thought they should know that my children didn't know. And my daughter came home in tears one day and said... Why didn't you tell me there were 12 inches in a foot? And I said, well, you didn't need that information up until now. Who told you that? And why do you think that's so important? So what I ended up telling my children is, you're never going to know everything about everything. And there's no need to, especially not when you can push a button and get that information. I said, and you're going to always know more about some things than other people. So don't ever feel like your value is in how much information you have. But what is important? is important is that you know how to get the information when you need it you know what sources to trust and you know how to use the information what you get once you get it so i i told my children and taught them research skills so when they ask questions and you know it's funny because when you said after a while yours may quit asking because then they know what follows I would tell mine when they would ask a question, I'd say, that's a good question. Let me help you find the answer. Well, as they got older, I'd say, that's a good question. Go find out the answer and get back with me. So midway Mm -hmm. through a question, they'd stop because they knew, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I'm going to go look this up if I finish this question. Not always. We joke about it. But, you know, what we want them to do is, be independent learners so when they need certain information or knowledge, it's not resting on our shoulders that as parents we failed to provide it and they failed to to retain it or memorize it or learn it. They know how to get it. So it just seems asinine that people put so much burden on parents who homeschool to teach their children scope and sequence and things that everybody else thinks the child needs to learn at a certain age, when really the more relaxed you are, the more you enjoy the learning experience, and the more you awaken your child to having fun finding the information, the more successful they're going to be and the easier your life is going to be.
0: Absolutely. Some of that sounded like it was right out of one of my workshops. (laughs) Ah, Which one? I used to talk. Well, I have a booklet on uh, teaching children to use the library, and uh, I used to talk oh, on that okay. subject sometimes. And, and again, a lot of what you were saying comes from from the skills category that I that I stress a lot, especially as they become teenagers. To uh, that is far more important uh, that they learn certain skills. And I'll tell you, you, when you were talking about co-ops, I was reminded of the resource center that I ran for nine yes. years in, in Atlanta, and. That, that shut down in 2006, so all those kids are now, most of them are through college, you know, and, uh, and at least the ones that were in high school back then, uh, and have come back to me and talked to me, and without exception, they tell me that the best thing that I ever did for them at that resource center was to help them learn to speak, to, to do public oh, speaking. Yeah. And what happened is, you know, if you if you put out a class called public speaking, the only people that are going to be signed up are the ones that the parents <laughs> are signing them up, you know. So right. what I did was, I these were my thinly disguised social studies classes. And in 8th <laughs> grade, it would be something like, uh, typically we do something like world geography and missions or something like that. And so in 8th grade, they would come up and do group research projects and present up at the front. And then in ninth grade, we typically We had U.S. history, then we had world history, world geography, and missions again, and uh, political science and economics. And as they moved up through the grades, each year they were expected to give longer talks, uh, starting out with maybe 10 minutes at a time in ninth grade and so forth. And then going up to that in high school, they were in charge of actually – each one of them had to actually take a class period. And these were hour-long class periods and teach that class period. And um, that – learning those skills, just put them so far ahead. And this isn't me talking, this is them talking. Uh, when they went to college and they were taking their speech classes and so forth and everybody else was so petrified and stuff, so they were just used to it already, you know? Yes. So yes. you have to really define what skills are important and focus on those and again the um, the rest of it will come. Now one thing about those speeches, they got to pick their own topics and I think that's mm-hmm. incredibly important because mm-hmm. if you're trying to speak on something you don't want to speak on, it's not going to be a good right. scenario. So they got to, they, they had to coordinate it with me because obviously there were certain things that had to be covered and, you know, sometimes they'd have to pick their third choice or something if it didn't work right. out. But, but they did have the option of what they wanted to talk about. And, uh, so, you know, we, again, even in the high school years in that resource center, we were focusing on the skills, you know, trying to get them to be good writers, uh, adept at math, uh, helping them to learn how to speak, uh, in a public speaking type situation. And of course also, uh, I think one of the biggest things every homeschooling mother uh, should do and this is you know you alluded to this earlier is to just talk to your kids a lot because that's you know something they don't frankly get in school much they're not allowed to talk much and that's right. just so important even if it does drive you crazy sometimes
1: right and you know it's it's funny that we I wasn't enrolled in public speaking class till college and I was petrified And we put emphasis on reading, writing, and arithmetic, and no emphasis on public speaking. Yet every single one of us, unless we are you know don't have the capability of talking, we do speak every single day. So it, it seems crazy not to take advantage of putting them up in front of a group at a young age so when they grow up they aren't afraid of speaking in public. And then they do hone those skills, and they do become more articulate. And they will make a difference in the world when they can have conversations where they recognize false logic and they don't use it themselves, and when they're able to ask thoughtful questions questions and when they're able to respectfully question answers, that's a skill that our children need to have to make a difference in the world and to change lives. And, and it's a skill that you have to be intentional about. And that's my primary reason for having co-ops. There were a lot of benefits I enjoyed, one of which was sharing the workload and being with moms, because I like that time too. But the primary reason was to have a space for friendly audience so the children could get up in front of a group from a young age, week after week, and give their presentations. So that to me is something that parents should concentrate on. That's a skills that I think is important and something they need to make sure they're including in their children's educational opportunities so that they don't grow up being afraid of speaking in public or they don't have to overcome that fear as an adult. much easier to start at a younger
0: age. I think uh, also it's very important in general that when parents are thinking through the skills that they want their kids to have, that they, again, think about their real life as adults and what they really wish that they had been taught and so forth, and not just to go with the sc- skills that are typically taught in school. For example, financial literacy is really rarely taught in school. And if it's taught at all, it's taught to the people they consider the lower echelon because they're so busy teaching, you know, macroeconomics or something to the high up ones that they forget that they're going to have to write checks and, you know, uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe not anymore, but, you know, you know, what, whatever <laughs> it takes to uh, be financially literate and, also, I really think that everybody should know something about real estate. You know, I, I, after I was working with homeschoolers, I took a break from working with homeschoolers for about six years, and I was a, a realtor and a uh, real estate appraiser during that time. And there's so, and, and I mean, I have bought and sold my own house, you know, several times over the course of my life. And there were so many things that I didn't understand about it until I I got into that field that would have been so Uh helpful, you know, to to have done. So I really think that there's a lot of things that the schools don't teach that are – Incredibly important. Accounting is another one, you know, just basic accounting skills as opposed to, like you were saying, Algebra 2 all the time. uh, Well,
1: so we don't end up with a cashier at the store who can't figure out percentages.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Or realtors that don't know how to do percentages without having a P letter on the calculator. And, I mean, this this happens all the time. It's ridiculous. So anyway. now we all have
1: phones with calculators. Even our phones can tell us those answers. (laughs)
0: That's true, but if you don't understand, like you were saying before, you don't understand the process or the reasons. Right. The calculators don't really help much, you know, so uh, anyway.
1: The son that went in the Army, we had nine children and no broken bones till he jumped out of a plane and he broke his foot. And he called me and he goes, Mom, I just can't do anything. I'm so bored. I said, Are they paying you? He said, Yeah. I said, Well, they let you read. He said, Yeah. So I sent him books. And he called and he goes, Okay, I've read all those. I'm just, This is so boring. I can't do anything. I said, Well, they let you take an online real estate course. And he says, I'll see. And they did. And sure enough, he got his real estate license while he was healing his broken foot in the army and he's dabbled in that along with several other things too and and you're right that's something that it doesn't require a whole lot of time to get a lot of knowledge about and it's so important in this day and age that our children do understand real estate and marketing Mm -hmm. and buying and selling and renting and all those things and yeah life skills are pretty much left out of the um, academic agenda and yet we want to raise children who can function well in life so the life skills are are important Before we wrap it up, why don't you give some final advice to parents, particularly I'm thinking of younger ones. Once they get in the high school years, we know we have to be intentional about certain classes because they're going to, depending on the hoops, they jump through. They're going to have to have some backgrounds that are required, and we have access to tutors and resources and a zillion Curriculums online, offline, and everywhere else. But say something to the moms of the younger ones who are who are just stressed out because they're so burdened by the educational experience and, and what they're putting on themselves.
0: Well, I think the key is just really to try to take a long range look at everything. Uh, I was just reading online; somebody was stressing out over something. I don't even know what it was, but it was really dumb. It was something like. They they could I think it was the days of the week they couldn't remember the days of the week and they were seven or eight or something and of course they're all jumping to all kinds of conclusions about learning disabilities or something and I I I wrote um I wrote back to her and I said look take the long you know uh, look at this do you really think they're going to be 21 and not know what the days of the week are you know you're you're obsessing about the wrong things you know and again like I said earlier you have to find a flow to your day that works for you forget the kids for a minute it's got to work for you you know and if you're stressed out and you're trying too hard to be somebody you're not which basically is a schoolroom teacher you know and you're you're giving all your control away to some curriculum uh you know and and worried too much about oh my gosh you know uh, like for example in Georgia we're supposed to have four and a half hours a day so some of these people I swear they're timing themselves you know sitting at the uh, kitchen table and feeling like you know if they don't put in four and a half hours a day sweating over school books they didn't do school or something if, if you're with your kids and you were learning yeah. or maybe you went to the zoo or maybe like you said you went to the grocery store and we're doing some things there you know that's education you know count yes. it, for heaven's sakes you know yes. uh, and uh Just in in general, to chill out and relax and realize that someday they're going to be like you and I are, which is, you know, with all our kids virtually growing up, mine are, yours, I think you still have one at home, but, you know, and and you miss it, you know, and now I have new challenges and new problems, you know, and so this is your life enjoy it, you know, Uh, get uh, in the Bible, you know, uh, spend some quiet time by yourself in the morning, insist the kids stay in their room that long. If you've got a nursing baby, of course, the baby will be with you, but the rest of them should be in their rooms for a good half an hour when you first wake up. And, uh, you know, read something inspirational, plan out your day a little bit, you know, and, and again, don't you know, be ridiculous in your expectations of yourself. You don't have to do every subject every day. You know, you don't have to finish this book by the end of ump ump you know. Just uh look at your long-range goals and keep asking yourself questions about how you're doing. And be sure to communicate with your husband. Because if he comes home every night and it sounds like all you did was fool around all day, you know, went to the zoo, you know, played at the park and stuff, then he's not only going to think you're not doing anything, but he's going to start getting jealous, you know. So, (laughs) you know, husbands are used to assessments and so forth. Be sure you discuss your goals with them. If you went to the zoo to learn about mammals, then talk about mammals, you know. Don't just say you went to the zoo, you know, and so forth. So you've got to communicate, and uh, you also have to realize that while I believe in it, just as anybody else, in the whole submission thing with husbands and all that, at the same time, you have, you're a person yourself, and you have to be able to do this the way that works for you, just like he has to be able to do his work the way it works for him when he's at work. And so, if he's trying to put too much pressure on you in this area or that area, then you have to work it out together and if you're getting that pressure from anybody else like in-laws or next door neighbors yeah. or you, your other friend who has a different curriculum or so forth you just have to take that water off a of duck's back thing and right. uh not you know recognize that they love your kids and you know the closer they are to you the more you have to communicate but you do not have to do things the way your own mother or your own mother-in-law wants you to do it because you're not under their authority anymore
1: Right, right. Well, I don't want to end the show without you giving us ways that people can connect with you, websites, books, things like that. Tell us how to get in touch with you.
0: Sure. Uh, first of all, we have a website. It's www.archers4thelord.org. F O R that stands for the Association of Relaxed Christian Home Educators. We also have a Facebook group called Relaxed Homeschoolers-Archers. Uh, you have to It's a private closed group, so you have to ask to be added and so forth. We have a free e-newsletter, um, which comes out every other month, called Relaxed Homeschoolers Newsletter. To get that, you can subscribe by just sending me a subscription request to my email, which is mary.e.hood at gmail.com. And finally, I am also a regular columnist in the old Schoolhouse magazine, which is available digitally online for free. They also have once a year a written um, magazine that you have to buy. But the ones that are digital are back issues, you can find them online. Just Google the old Schoolhouse magazine and you'll find that. My column on that is called The Ordinary Homeschooler. And um, I I wrote an article that we've mentioned Common Core once or twice. July, August, 2014, I had an article called The Homeschooler's Response to Common Core, if anybody oh, wants perfect. to see that. Of course, you can get all my books, resources. I have uh an eight-CD set called the Relaxed Homeschooling Workshop, which you can now also get on MP3 um, rather than CDs if you prefer that format. So you can get information on all that at my oh at my website, again, archersforthelord.org. And you can also email me. I am available for speaking and so forth. Um, a lot more available now than I was in years past because I'm not not working as a realtor anymore. <laughs> so, oh, and I'm not okay. running a resource yeah. center right now. So uh yeah. give me a call if you want to, uh, or not a call, but email me if you want to invite me to a fair or... Um, if you want to get me invited to a fair, give me an address to send the speaker's packet to. And I hope to see some of you, and I hope that you all just get encouraged by Pat's little radio show here, or whatever it is, because, you know, I listen to a couple of them, and, and she's she's spot on. She, she and I have been around a long time. You need to listen to us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Shalom. we've been
1: there, done that, and we made mistakes, and you can learn from ours.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I so
1: appreciate you taking the time. You know, I, I know that, that you invest in people's lives and, and the benefits you get may not show up until eternity, but – but I know that you have a heart for our children and, and the moms and the families and what's going on. So I still so appreciate that, and I appreciate you taking the time to share. And when I post the podcast, I will put the links to your webpage and email letter. All those things you said, I will put it in print so people, if they were driving and couldn't take notes and can't remember like me, who will think I'll remember and don't. I'll put all that on the post so we can have that for them, too, as they listen. So
0: thank you so much, I also, sharing by the way, I have, a, I also have a personal f- Facebook uh, page called... Fighting Common Core. Uh, in no. case anybody, I've just got a ton of stuff on there. If anybody oh. uh, needs any information on that, I sort of separated it off from Archers because Archers isn't supposed to get political. But, um,
1: okay. but it's fighting
0: Common Core, uh, and I'm not. I'm not going to send you the link to that because it's not Archers related. But uh, if anybody okay. wants to get some more information on that, that's there. And one of my talks available on my uh, website is also on Common Core. So. Okay. Anyway, that's great. And I know a lot of people
1: are asking those questions, so that's good that you've done some research and have the information. So thank you for putting that together, too. Well, you have a great week, and we'll be in touch. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. And thank you for joining us today on Homeschooling Co-op Style.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell your friends. And until next time, this has been Homeschooling Co-op Style.